Well, again, good evening. This week we had about 2,000 teenagers here going crazy in the presence of the Lord. And some of you remember some of those moments. Some of you didn't grow up in the faith. Others of you did, and you remember what a summer camp meant and moments when the Lord encountered you and how that deeply impacted you, and you're still riding the wave of that. And that was happening all over this campus all week long, and so we celebrate, we thank God for that. And for those of you, Kim and so many others, Matt, and different ones who volunteered and stayed, Scott, you were here late into the night, just giving of your time, giving of your love so that everyone felt safe and taken care of. God bless you for serving this week. Can we give it up for those who served? I, I met Tim before the service. Tim is here for the first time tonight. Tim, welcome. And, and Ace and Val are here for the first time. Just met them. And we got some Air Force football players over here, some stallions. Just, you just don't mess with them, you know? Good men of God, we welcome all of you who are here. Thanks for coming tonight. The last announcement is for those of you who are double dippers, you come on Sundays. I'm preaching this again on Sunday, so I'm warning you. All right, very good. Um, Philippians chapter three, what I'll do is I'll read four verses here. I'll pray, and then we'll jump in. So hear the word of the Lord out of Philippians three. This is Paul writing, and he says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider them loss for the sake of Christ. And what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. And I, Paul says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. This is the word of the Lord and all God's people said, thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, would you help us focus our energy tonight? Many of us come in here tired. It's been an adrenaline-laced week here at the church with all the kids. What a blast. Uh, many parents have been up late nights running them around. Just help us focus our energy tonight. That's how I sensed it. Help us to hear from you. Help us to be present in the moment. Help us to be locked in. Lord, we need you to attune our hearts and to open our ears and to soften us and to make us people who are ready for the word of the Lord. And so we just ask you tonight to speak to us. We, we don't come in here especially strong. We don't come in here especially righteous, especially focused. We, we need you to do that work in and, in and through us. Do it for us tonight. So Lord, may the words of our mouths, the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. Our strength and our redeemer, we pray these things tonight in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, Amen. Tonight, I'm going to talk about finding a way to hit the reset button. 
The last couple weeks we talked about developing a theology of play and getting our childlikeness back and enjoying summer and letting the kids teach us the unique way into the joy of the Lord. And last week we talked about developing a theology of church and to come and to connect and to contribute and to care for one another. And that's all beautiful and right. And tonight it's, it's just kind of another little standalone moment. Let me give you a little backdrop to this, uh, the impetus for this talk this week. The first is I was in Alabama this week in Gulf Shores. I had the privilege to fly down there and speak at a pastor's conference with a couple hundred pastors. And the occasion for the gathering was uh, their regular conference, yes, but the leader of the, the group who I've known for 35 years, uh, he's celebrating his 50th year in ministry. And he's married to the same woman and he's still got joy in his eyes and loves Jesus and hasn't become cynical and hasn't burned down the place that he built. And you just, he's just like, I want to be the guy that's been in ministry 50 years and all those things could be said about me and I saw it this week. And it's a miracle when you get to see that. Not many people are finishing the race as well as he is. And I got to spend extended time with him and just ask him questions. And some of what I'm going to share tonight was, it arose out of our conversations, a conversation that I had with the sage this week. So there's that. The second thing, uh, doing our best to hit the reset button. Why do I think that's important? The second thing is, I think we're living in a moment of collective chaos that... And, and I'm working on this. I'm, I'm, I'll have more to say in the future about this, but I'll just drop this and kind of leave it and then walk away from it. But I think we're experiencing sort of a collective demoniac moment as a society. The story, it happens in the first three gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, where Jesus walks ashore in the garrisons, the other side, where all the Gentiles are. He leaves the holy side, where the people of God are, and he goes across the Sea of Galilee, where I just was three weeks ago, out on the Sea of Galilee, and he steps out onto the, the, the garrison shore, the, the, the outsiders, and this guy comes up in his birthday suit, and he's been chained among the tombs, and he's been cast out of society, and he doesn't remember who he he just lost his stuff. And, and at the end of the story, mercifully, Jesus puts him back in his right mind and it says he was clothed and in his right mind sitting at the feet of Jesus. But I think we are living in a collective demoniac moment. And I think it's time for us to do our best to figure out ways to hit the reset button and to receive the peace of Jesus that he always has for us. So tonight I wanna say three things that I think will help us find a way to hit the reset button right here in the middle of our summer in a society that is frenetic and anxious and angry and borderline losing our minds right now. The first thing that I wanna say about hitting the reset button is do your best to let go of your past. Do your best. I, I, I had earlier this week, let go of your past. But I, I, as I was looking at the language there, it's like, you know what? That's a little bit romanticized. You have to just keep circling back to it. Because this stuff isn't just easily washed away. There are moments that haunt us. There are things that have been said over us from our childhood. There are moments that happen in the office. Difficult confrontations and moments of anxiety that we can't just hit a reset button and it's gone forever. So what I'm saying is do your best to keep letting go of your past as an active movement. After 50 years of doing anything like Steve Dixon has done with his wife, Cozy, Cosette, she goes by Cozy, Stephen Cozy Dixon, 50 years of ministry. After 50 years, you carry scars. 
You have people abandon you. You have people betray you. You have people say things and, and, and do things that are just deeply wounding. You, you have that. But you know what I love about Steve and Cozy that I saw this week is that they're still tender hearted. They're still innocent. They're still gracious. They're still thoughtful. They're still hopeful. They've not been overcome by cynicism. It is possible to make it to release and to keep on releasing the bad. It's not easy, and, and many of you have been significantly wounded. As I mentioned, people who were supposed to protect you violated you, and many of you, you've lost friends that you, were gonna, you thought you were gonna cross the finish line with, and you need to process that pain in the presence of wise counselors and people that you trust, period. You need to do that. We need to be honest about what we've experienced and what we've heard and what has happened to us, period, and, not period, but, because but sort of undoes what, uh, period, it's valid. And, one of the great traps of the devil is to tie us up in the, as sort of the lifelong superintendence of our pain. And our job becomes to rehearse the wound, and if we're not careful, our primary identity becomes wrapped up in the worst thing that ever happened to us. Can we just be honest about that? That the enemy's ploy is to take those moments and to say that is the definition of your personhood. That is, the, that is the, the high mark of your experience on planet earth. That is the watermark of your identity. This is who you are. And the very worst moments of wounding and pain, often if we're not careful, they become our primary identity and it ought not be that way. We can't stay there forever. We have to find a way to hit the reset button. J.K. Rowling, the, the great author of Harry Potter, some of you are like, burn those books, you know. But I'll just say she's a great author and commencement speaker at Harvard, uh, Harvard University a few years ago. And they flew her in from England. And she just had, a, you could look up the manuscripts. It's a great speech. But in the speech, she said, there's an expiration date on blaming your parents. Gonna let that sit there for just a minute. <laughs> like, okay, it happened. Okay. Things happen. Period. It's honest. It's real. We, don't diminish it. Don't, don't stuff it. Don't act like it's not real. She says, let me read you the fuller quote. There's an expiration date on blaming your parents for steering you in the wrong direction. The moment you are old enough to take the wheel, responsibility lies with you. To do something with it to transmit and to, to, to transform. Let the spirit of the Lord transform those wounds. Jesus, when he was raised from the dead, he still had wounds. Like, have you ever thought about that? Thomas, go ahead, touch my wounds. Put your hand here on my side. But those wounds had been transformed. They, they, they had been transformed into scars. So, so it wasn't an open bleeding wound, and, and, and I'm not saying, but those, those moments of pain, those moments of marking, those moments of wounding were still there. They had just been transformed into scars. They had healed up, but they were still there. So they, it will always be there, but there's an expiration date. Like at some point we have to say, okay, that happened to me, and what are we going to do with this? What is the spirit of the Lord gonna do to redeem this and to raise me up and to heal me? And Steve Dixon, my friend this week, he told me over lunch, he said, bitterness and blame will block God's blessing. 
Daniel, he was looking at me. You've been in it 17 years. Well done, man. I'm proud of you. I've known you since you were five. Good job. Don't fall into the trap of bitterness and blame. And the enemy will tie that around you. The enemy will try to get you to feel so mistreated. And all these people, that you have to stop it, Daniel. You have to cut it off in its tracks. You have to just go ahead and give that over to the Lord and move on and rise back up. Let's go, young man. Bitterness and blame will block God's blessing. And I was reading this book uh, by Frederick Buechner. I've read it three times this year. And this book has just been haunting me in all the right ways. It's this little book called This this uh, Holy Ordinary. This uh, I've read it three times this year. and it's. It, it. <laughs> let me read you this quote from Buechner. It's right over here. Anyway, someone tell me what the... Frederick Buechner said, we're often at war, check this out, we're often at war with the people we love the best. We often engage in wars with no particular goal in sight, but rather for the sort of dark pleasure of fighting a war between husbands and wives, between parents and children, between friends. In these aggressive wars and defensive wars, we all, I think, to some degree, fight to survive. We camouflage ourselves very often in ways that don't suggest we are indeed really warring at all. We play it safe. We, we, we're Christians. We're not fighting. We try to camouflage it, he says. But at the end of the day, as you look back over your wars, ask yourself, how did your wars go today? Who were you fighting today? How did they work out? Did you deliver the knockout blow? Was it worth it? Were you knocked out? What does winning a war with somebody even mean? What does losing a war with somebody mean? And again, was it worth it? Like we have to find a way to hit the reset button and to, and to continue to work on continually letting go of our past, the negative things that have happened to us in the past, so there's that, the negative things. But let me also say, we, we can't be trapped by the good things that have happened to us in our past. And this is just as dangerous. In fact, I'll just say to you, success can be one of the most dangerous things to happen to you. If you're not careful. Yes, we understand that the wounding is painful and that's difficult and that's bad and it's hard to process through. But success can also be something that traps us. We get trapped in this moment of glory, this glory day. And we never become greater than our greatest moment of the past if we're not careful. Philippians 3, this same text that I just read to you earlier. Paul says earlier in the text, put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence. So Paul is having a little moment here. He's, he goes, look, don't put any confidence in the flesh, but if anyone could, I could. And then he goes on to list his resume. If someone else thinks that they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, well, I don't know if you know this, I'm sort of a big deal around here. My apartment smells of rich mahogany. I have many leather-bound scrolls. That's what Paul was saying. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, who are a big deal, a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regard to the law, I was a Pharisee. As for zeal, I was persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, I was faultless. Paul was saying, if we want to go toe-to-toe on resumes in the flesh, I, I can argue with the best of them. He's saying that if you're not careful, success can be dangerous. If you're not careful, you can get trapped in thinking that you are something special. 
It's often quite easy for successful people to get trapped in their successes, their victories, their glory days. We can start believing in our own competencies and our skills and our connections and our ability to control the future. We've got a Rolodex. We've got people that we can pick up the phone at any moment and call. We, can, we, we got people. We can spend more time looking in the rearview mirror than through the windshield at our past successes. We can be trapped by the pain of the past. We can be trapped by the successes of the past. And Paul gives us something here that'll help us forward. He says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss. I throw away my resume. I throw away all my successes. I throw away my connections. I throw away my ability to control the future, to manipulate a moment, or to leverage someone into doing what they want for me. I I, I release all of that, the bad stuff and the good stuff. He says, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things, and I consider them garbage. Another translation, he says, I consider them dung. Flush that thing down, I don't, it's, it's nasty. Get it out of here that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Paul says, do your best to let go of your past. The, the wounds of the past and the successes of the past. In this moment, you come before Christ and let him hit a reset button in your soul and all you do is you just live by simple faith in the work of what Jesus has done for you and you let that be the defining moment of your existence. Can you say amen tonight, church? First thing is, do your best to let go of your past. The second thing tonight about hitting the reset button is it's time to refocus on our assignment. Refocus on your assignment. If anyone could have started to settle in and coast, it would have been Paul. With his resume, with his connections, with his skills, with his education, with his linguistic, I mean, he's just, a, he's just a genius. Paul could have mailed it in. If anyone could have had an excuse to take it easy after a traumatic season, it's Paul. He's writing from prison. Paul has been through so much. Paul could have rested on his resume or he could have just mailed it in because of all the pain he'd gone through. And Paul doesn't do that. What does he say in this moment? He says, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I press on. I haven't attained all this. I haven't arrived. I'm not a big deal. When you feel like you've come to a moment that's a plateau, fall back on your knees and fast and pray again and get desperate in the presence of the Lord and and communicate to him how much you need him. Paul says, I haven't attained it, but I press on to take hold of that. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You know, the, the, I think the most dangerous people are the people who don't have anything in front of them. Something that they're striving toward, something that they're praying into, something that they're on their knees about, something where they're living in dependent faith on God, where if he doesn't come through, it's just all going to fall apart. And God, I need you. The people whose marriages, they, they just have kind of been okay with how it's been going for five years. No, that's a dangerous place to be. You press in. You try to keep getting better. You try to get, try to get clearer. You try to get humbler. You, you keep laying down your life. Paul says, I have not 
arrived and it's so easy to stagnate. It's so easy to grow dormant and, and it's to hide behind your own competencies and almost nobody would know. The problem is as you get older and as you get more competent, nobody knows when you're faking it. That's a dangerous place to be. But people who are pressing into Jesus are those who are constantly on their front foot. They're leaning forward. They're paying attention. They're, they're, they've got their eyes open. They're asking the Lord what he's doing and what he's saying. And friends, keep leaning in. I'll ask you tonight, what have you, what have you been made to do? What's the thing that, that you just get out of bed in the morning doing better than most people? Press back into your assignment. Press back into what God has marked you to do for the world. You have graces and giftings. All of us have been anointed by the Spirit and you're just excellent at certain things. Like press back into that and be sharp and be clear and don't act like you've arrived. Paul says when you think you've arrived, you're dangerous. What is this season of your life? Maybe some of you, you ought to be asking yourself, what is this season of your life supposed to be about? Some of you wish you knew and and I'll just say this is a great moment maybe for you to get a spiritual director or to see a counselor or you have wise friends that you can talk back and forth with and, and you just want a name. Like I'm needing clarity. I'm needing focus in my life. I need to know what the Lord is asking of me. I wanna press back into my life into the assignment God has for me. Work out your vocational sense with a trusted friend. That's a beautiful thing to do. But if you don't have the whole picture in front of you, I wanna just help you start small tonight in pressing back in. The question maybe that's worth asking, what is it that is in front of you to do right now? What's the thing, that, the simple thing that you know that's in front of you to do right now? Maybe some of you, it's working on a relationship with a child. One of your children, it's strained and, it's, and you just need that to be healed. Maybe the Lord's given you space so that you can just be about that one thing. Press back into your assignment. What is it that's in front of you to do right now, instead of spending your best energy looking back at the good successes of the past or, or looking back at the woundings of the past, it's, it's time to focus forward and to ask the Spirit what it means for you to press in right now to Jesus and to that thing that he's doing in your life. We need to, we need to press back in and refocus on our assignment. The third thing that I wanna say tonight, this moment of hitting the reset button, is embrace the big three faith and hope and love. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, for now we only see a reflection as in a mirror. We don't see it all. But then in the end when Jesus returns and it's all made new, we'll see face to face. And now we know in part, but then we shall know fully even as I am fully known. And now, here right now in this moment, these three remain faith and hope and love. But the greatest of these is love. Tonight, some of you just need to come back to faith in God, that he's good, that he's for you, that he loves you. Never will he leave you and never will he forsake you. Those woundings that we have of the past or even those successes that we have in the past, they often distract us from the simplicity of just saying, I've decided to follow Jesus and God is good and I've known him to be good and, and there have been moments of pain, sure, but God is for me and if God is for me, who can be against me? If God can raise Jesus from the dead, then he can do anything with my story. To press back into faith and 
press back into hope, believing that there's a future out there in front of us that's good. And I'll just say in this moment, this moment is a moment that feels like it's collapsing in on us and closing us off from hope. Has anyone experienced that? I, I'm, I find that I'm having to fight out of that collapsing, you know, the, the view that gets really shrunk and small. Like, Lord, what, you, what might you do in the future? And I believe that you're good and I believe that you're with me and I put my faith in you and I'm hopeful about what you might wanna do, Lord. And I pray that you would free me up from the cynicism and I pray that you'd free me up from the bitterness and the blame and I pray that you'd free me up from thinking that it, I have to end in, in falling apart. But Lord, my hope is in you and I believe that you're gonna do something great and Lord, I'm expectant. When was the last time you felt expectant for what God might do that's good in your life? Tonight, it's a night to press back into the big three, faith and hope and love. And the greatest of these things is love, simple kindness toward others. Had a little, little boy run up to me before the service, little William, and he was holding out his hand. I couldn't see what was in his hand. And he handed me this little quarter. <laughs> you're, you're Pastor Daniel. And I go, oh man, thank you so much. He said, I found it on the floor. Oh man, I said, can I give it back to you? And he goes, I want you to keep it. You know, like, just simple kindness. Like, what can you do to make someone's life better? What can you do to just be thoughtful and to surprise someone with a gift card? What can you do to write a handwritten letter and drop it in the mail and knock someone off their feet with encouragement and with just it's not that hard. It takes a little bit of effort, but a little bit of effort goes a long way toward loving one another. And this is what the church of Jesus Christ ought to be known for. Jesus said, and you will be my disciples, and they will know that you are my disciples by the way that you love. And so walk through King Supers and put your stupid phone away and keep your head up and go, Spirit, who is it? Who is it today? I believe you're sending me in here to be an ambassador and I'm not gonna miss this moment and I'm not gonna mail it in and I'm gonna press in and I'm not gonna grow stale and stagnant and kind of collapse on myself, but like I'm going in with my eyes wide open. Someone, Pastor Steve this week, his dad just died. The guy, 50 years in the ministry. His dad, Red, Red Dixon just died, 89 years old, pastor for 65 years. And he said, my dad always told me, have a $100 bill in your pocket. And it's not for you. You just walk around and you just look for who the Lord says that $100 bill is for. Friends, it's not like if it's a $5 bill, if it's a quarter, whatever you can do, live your life to love other people in the name of Jesus. Live your life to surprise people with the kindness and the mercy and the, and the care of God. Live your life with your eyes open to be his ambassadors. It's time to press in to the big three, the simple stuff, faith and hope and love. And the greatest of these is love. And if we will live this way, I think there will be a little reset button that continually we can hit. The wounds come and we're tempted to be frustrated. It's life, it's normal. And we just go, Lord, don't let blame and bitterness block blessing. Don't like free me from that. It's okay, I release them in Jesus' name. Be blessed. Something gets reset in our souls and letting go of the past and refocusing on our assignment and pressing in to faith and hope and love. Friends, we can get so complicated 
and miss out on the simplicity of following Jesus and being a decent Christian in the world. And as we find this reset button, as we let go of the past and as we refocus and as we press into the big three, faith, hope, and love, I think you'll find yourself a little bit more joyful. I think you'll find yourself expectant again. I think you'll find yourself energized and pressing in and on the front foot and we can live this way, we can be this kind of people and the world is dying for us to be this kind of people. So tonight, let's hit the reset button. Let's let the Lord do it work deep inside of us. So what I want us to do before we come to receive communion is to just practice our way through these. First thing that I want us to think through is who do we need to forgive? Who do we need to bless? Who do we need to just say, Lord, it even hurts me to say this, but be good to them tonight. It takes practice, it's not easy. It's gonna cost you something to live this way, but who do we need to just begin to release right now, speak life over right now, even if you can just go, you know what, I'm, I'm gonna do my best not to harbor ill will toward them. If that's your first step, great. Do that tonight. Lord, we invite you to search our hearts. We invite you to remind us of the things we need to let go of. We give you permission to ask the hard thing of us tonight, Lord. You do it in, in grace, you do it in mercy. You're not wagging the finger at us, but, but you still do it. You invite us into this kind of way of being. So church tonight, would you begin to just release and to speak life and to ask God to be as good to them as he's been to you. To ask God to be as forgiving to them as he's been to you. To ask God to think of them the way he thinks of you. And as you do that, I believe over time your heart will soften. But with this other, with this other branch of this, like letting go of the past, maybe some of you just need to say, you know what, I, there's something out in front of me. It's, I'm not gonna settle for the successes I've already experienced. There's more. Lord, we, we don't want to stop halfway through our lives just because we've experienced some great moments and act like that's enough. You want us to live daily by faith. And so Lord, we invite you to disrupt us. We invite you to wake us back up tonight. Church, invite the Lord to do this work. The second thing is to refocus on your assignment. What are some areas that you've abdicated that you could press back into? What are some pockets of territory that you could reclaim? What are some gifts you could start using again that God has given you that have lay dormant? Lord, I pray that you would show us what this season is supposed to be, out, be about, each person, pressing back into our assignment. Maybe there's someone we need to reach back out to that we haven't talked to in a while, re-engage the relationship. Maybe it's serving in our city somewhere. Maybe it's serving in the church somewhere. I, I don't know what that's going to be for you, but Lord, we invite you to wake us back up to the work you want us to do. And then the final thing, what do you need to embrace tonight? Some of you have been hopeless. 
not because of anything you've done wrong, but because of wrong that has been done to you, period. And the enemy doesn't have to steal your hope. So some of you just need to say, Lord, reawaken hope in me. Reawaken faith in me. Reignite love in me. Come on, church. Lord, wake us up. Help us to be people that are vital, fresh, energetic. Help us to be people that bounce around Colorado Springs with kindness and mercy. Help us to be people that walk into rooms and the room, the atmosphere shifts for the good because the people of God are here. Do that in us again. We've known that, but we need it recovered, Lord. So church, would you stand with me tonight? I think the communion, the table of the Lord is the right move next. If you, if you don't have communion elements, would you raise your hand? Our team is coming through the room and they'll get you some. But this meal is a meal that re-enlivens us and nourishes us and wakes us back up. This is what the meal that Jesus gave them. It, it was a meal that strengthened them for the road ahead and we need this. So tonight, I want us to come by faith and to ask the Lord to, to make us strong for the days ahead. Let this meal be a reset button for all of us. Tonight, as you take the bread, the Lord Jesus is here and he's for you and he's gonna feed you tonight. On the night he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. And as often as you do this, remember. And so tonight, Lord Jesus, we remember you, the God who wakes us back up, the God who sends us back out, the God who teaches us to live by faith and hope and love. So friends, tonight, receive this by faith and ask Jesus to do this work deep in you. Lord, feed us tonight afresh. You may receive the bread. On the same night, Jesus took the cup of wine and he said, this cup is the new covenant given in my blood and it's given for the remission of your sins and as often as you do this, do this for the remembrance of me. There's forgiveness, there's renewal, there's a fresh start and I just sense even in the moment to say to you that anxiety, like crippling anxiety doesn't have to be our inheritance. I'm not minimizing and I'm not trying to be simplistic here and go get over it. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying though, by faith, that crippling anxiety does not have to be our inheritance. And so if that's something that you struggle with tonight, as you receive the cup, just say, Lord, I receive your peace. Lord, I receive the fresh start. Lord, I receive renewal. And so Jesus, only you can heal us. Only you can do this deep work. And we invite you, Spirit of God, to, to heal us tonight. Friends, our God is for you, you may receive the cup. We're gonna sing this song, I've seen you move, you move the mountains and I believe I'll see you do it again. 
So let's stir faith in the room. These three things remain, faith and hope and love. So let's press in tonight in faith and hope and love.
Your promise, your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, your faithfulness. Yeah. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You never failed me yet. I want to pray for miraculous provision for people who need it. There's, I've got some friends in the room. I just heard really good news tonight. We've been praying for a couple of months on the brink. Lord, is it going to come? Lord, is it going to come? Lord, is it going to come? If it doesn't come, things fall apart. It came this week for our friends. God miraculously provided. If I told you the details, it would just blow you away. And there's faith in the room for that tonight. I sense the Lord wants to do that. Miraculous provision for people who feel on the brink. And so if that's you, would you have the courage just to raise your hand? Like you need God to break through right now. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you for feeling like Jordan said earlier, this is a safe place. You're safe in the presence of the Lord. If you see someone with their hand raised, would you put your hand on their shoulder and begin to speak life over them tonight and pray God's provision in God's blessing, we've seen you move. We're going to sing that here in a, in a moment. Lord, we pray right now that you would take care of your people, that they would lack nothing in Jesus' name, that you would open the windows of heaven and pour out blessing on them. Lord, we thank you, the God who leads Israel through the wilderness. There's manna on the ground. There's water coming from the rock. Their shoes and their clothes didn't wear out for 40 years. Somehow, some way, you're the God who gets us through. And Lord, we pray right now for miraculous provision for your people, that you would surprise them, that you would show off your goodness and your kindness and your mercy, that you would be their father, the father who's perfect, who will never let his children lack. So Lord, right now, come on, church, we pray for miraculous provision tonight. We pray, Lord, that you would bind all fear and that you would keep people from chaos and confusion and anxiety. Lord, open up heaven's windows, the storehouse, and pour out blessing in Jesus' name. Come on, church, I've seen you move. Let's do it. This is my 
open your hands tonight to receive the blessing as we prepare to go? Pray for the peace of God to cover you this week. pray for faith to rise in you this week. Pray for hope to rise in you this week. Pray for the love of God to be stirred in you this week. Lord, I pray, bless my friends and keep them. Make your face to shine upon them and be gracious to them. Lord, lift your bright smile and countenance upon them and grant them peace, I pray, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said. Can we give the Lord thanks for what he's done tonight? It's good to be in his presence together. I want to invite our prayer team to come down. And if any of you have any extended prayer needs, we would love to get to pray with you. There's guest central in the back of the room. Swing by and let us give you a gift and go from here tonight in God's grace and peace. So much love.